Start your engines! Oh, this'll be good. This is the scrapyard. Yes, as the fake Roadhog did just say, this is the Scrapyard. I'm Seamus Byrne, uh, and this is going to be a pretty loose show this week. We are following up on all things BlizzCon, and there really was so much stuff that went down that I'm sure we're going to have a hard time keeping up with every single detail. But to help me through this journey of nitpicking and uh, stripping down all the essentials from the weekend is a very good friend, Luke Lancaster. He We used to work together at CNET. He now works for PAX Australia and, in fact, all sorts of uh, those kind of events uh, around the world and here in Australia. So, Luke, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Seamus. It is, uh, yeah, you know, I think before I even started the scrapyard, Luke and I had uh, chatted a little bit back and forth. So it's nice to to get him here on the show and um, and share all of his own Blizz affections uh, with everybody else. Um, maybe we we should probably just start with the idea, Luke, of uh, what are the the main Blizzard things that uh, that you know that live in your brain and uh, and keep you sitting at your keyboard from uh, time to time. Oh, look, I don't really like to play favorites since most of what I fire up on my computer comes out of the Battle.net app. Um, I guess my big ones are going to be WoW and Hearthstone just in terms of time spent playing, but Overwatch is definitely creeping up in minutes. Um, And I've been back in on Diablo 3. I played Warcraft 3 way back in the day, which I'm sure we're going to dig into in a little bit. Um, I guess the, the two that I don't play as much would be StarCraft and HOTS. It's easier to be exclusionary rather than inclusionary when it comes to Blizzard <laughs> yeah, yeah. games. Um, but yeah, I've been playing pretty much everything they've put out for 20 years or so. Nice. Now, look, I think it seems to me that the best place uh, to dig back through uh, what went down over the weekend would be, um, look, we'll get to Diablo. There's been an awful lot of talk about Diablo mm-hmm. uh, and what went down there. I'll just start with the bullet point that I did, in fact call multiple times on multiple previous scrapyards that I was I was thinking that mobile was going to be the thing that we were going to see. I was correct. I just didn't predict how people might react to the news of uh, mobile Diablo. But yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to that one. Um, but I think uh, for a lot of people, it was some of those the classic elements that really caught people's eye that everybody was excited that we're going to get hands on with WoW Classic for the first time. And then as a bit of a surprise, we did get the Warcraft 3 Reforged. So it does feel like for anybody who loves Warcraft, um, we're getting a lot of fan service when it comes to uh, having all those old things brought back to life. So which of those things uh, most excited you? Uh, definitely the Warcraft 3 uh, Reforged, um, getting to play through all that again in HD. I, I tried actually replaying um, Frozen Throne last year and... I got a couple of missions into the campaign and I just couldn't do it. Like, it has not aged gracefully. Um, but having it come back in full HD, I've already got friends excited about playing, like, getting deep on the multiplayer with it, running through the campaign. It was just such a key experience and such a formative gaming experience for me. Um, and I guess that's what fed into WoW when I first started playing WoW, which kind of ended the capstone with Wrath of the Lich King, even though that was 10 years ago now. Um, well, mm. these games make me feel old. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But but the Warcraft 3 remaster, absolutely. I've got friends who are going nuts over WoW Classic, but I don't need to kill that many plane striders for a drop. I just don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and look, I think the thing I did love about the WoW Classic announcements, and um, I'm quite curious to listen to some of the, uh, you have know, discovered, there's this really great, another Australian uh, uh, Blizzard podcast called Countdown to Classic. Uh, well worth checking out if you want to hear from the people who really have been, you know, super keen on on everything classic because, uh, yeah, it's really cool to hear what the people who have wanted it so much, um, are caring the most about. And I think it was, I think hearing the, the session where they kind of went into detail around classic, um, I thought they really were striking that balance so well where they were selling that idea that, you know, that we get what you loved about the original. Um, and it was about, you know, meshing all of the exactly how it worked with the new engine so that, you know, that they could be able to, uh, you know, make it all come together in the right way but uh i know uh one of the main i forgot his name slips my mind but one of the main team who's been managing the whole process was talking about how they have a reference client running and that like across everything that they're just always kind of you know looking backwards and forwards and trying to really make sure that they stay true to what it looked like what it felt like and there was this great point that they made um about particular light sources on lamps <laughs> that um, that that they would show a white light in the original, but then when they had brought it across to the new engine, in the new engine that if something is broken, uh, then it shows in purple so that they know it needs attention, you know, when they're going through and they're QAing things. Um, but suddenly there were a few of these like old lamps that were that the light source had somehow broken like right back that's just how it was for years but in the original then it was just showing pure white and so nobody noticed (laughs) and so they were saying that you know well technically if we'd noticed it back in the day we would have fixed it but they're trying to recreate what the game was. Therefore, they've just gone in and gone, well, that has to be just white now because that's that's what it was. That's, that's what it was in, in Classic. I, I guess that yeah. was always the most interesting thought experiment thinking about Classic when it was first announced was how how authentic an experience would it be, how true to you know World of Warcraft 1.0 was this going to be. Um, and I think there's a lot about the classic edition of WoW that people have romanticized. Um, And there are elements of it that even I look at with rose-colored glasses. Um, And there was stuff that felt really good, like the world felt big and you had to work towards milestones. It wasn't a series of missions that you could jump around and do, which is kind of how WoW feels now. Um, It wasn't like a dip your toe in kind of game back then. It It was a live your life in Azeroth kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, like, I'm just really excited that they're pushing this to be, you know, the original release of WoW kind of thing. It's bold. Yeah. They're even talking about, you know, like that they will, uh, aim towards also staged releases of the later content. Um, yeah. like, or the later end game content so that including, you know, Ankirage and actually giving people that chance to, you know, see who, who's going to be the Scarab Lord on their server, you know, and some of those kind of classic moments uh, through to Naxxramas. Yeah, um, who's stuck farming but, fire resist gear because they can't get out of Molten Core. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, you know, I when when the demo went live, I I rolled the hunter first just to uh, just to just to check the arrow situation. And yes, mm-hmm. indeed, uh, yes, there is a quiver, and they gave you a thousand arrows at the start because. Clearly, you didn't want to spend the entire demo just going off to find arrows. How big were the stacks? Um, 200 per stack. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, going, going it's, way back. Uh, yeah, and, and it's like one point, because uh, it's 1.12, I think, is what it's based on. But look, yeah, the, I, I love the affection that they're kind of showing it and pointing out things like um, the mailbox, that they will be putting the one-hour timer on the mailbox again um but one of the things that um like has Acostas was pointing out as well was the idea that you do have to like it it makes you realize that you know what it's better to fly over to that person like there mm-hmm. it was that idea that the world is big and that you should go and find the people in the world if you want to do things with them uh, yeah. and that that is a big part of what people feel like has has left the game and that's part of why they want that back and cities feeling like hubs um i guess that was the thing that for plays with limited time all the quality of life changes that have happened over the past 10 years that that's what's really improved is the game doesn't take as much time but the flip side of that is it doesn't feel as big it doesn't feel as epic or grandiose because things happen instantly and there's no sense of scale in the world and that i think is what have, has people the most excited about when it comes to classic, the idea that it feels like a giant world again. Yeah. And look, I've you know taken us off down that road, but you know, if, if uh, listeners have a virtual ticket, I think the WoW Classic session, even if you're not caring that much about WoW Classic, it's, it's a fascinating look at you know, the way in which they're trying to, um, to bring this thing back to life in, in the way that the people who want that experience um, yeah, really want. And I think the idea of even just saying, you know what, if you're sub to WoW, like you get yeah, WoW it's Classic. Freak. Like you get it yeah. as part of your WoW sub, which is awesome and I think is really going to help drive players towards this. Um, I just think it's really interesting that like comparing this to the Warcraft 3 thing, which is a total overhaul remaster, this is like I think the first ever demaster in gaming. <laughs> That's a really good point, yeah. Look, I think as well that Warcraft 3, the um, I mean comparing it to what they did with the StarCraft remaster as well, that uh, – it is so much about, and I think it's very interesting that they've used the phrase, you know, they've given it the name Reforged because I think they are. They're being so much more about going, let's give it beautiful new models um, and really kind of upgrade so much of that experience that I think StarCraft was a much more subtle set of updates. Um, whereas, yeah, the models that they're showing off for Warcraft 3 now is, uh, like, they look really slick. And yeah. again, maybe there's some purists who'll be like, but, you know, I want only six polygons in my Arthas, thanks very much. Um, you know, I think it to me, it's like, man, yeah, I, I really look forward to going and playing through this experience. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I've got a lot of nostalgia tied up with warcraft 3 i think the statute of limitations has passed so i can say this uh, on air um warcraft 3 was the game that taught me how to crack pc games but i'm definitely going to jump in and i've heard that the multiplayer is compatible if there are people out there still running og warcraft 3 yeah look they're 
Um, I love that they even said they're going to be contacting some of the modders if they have seen that an old mod isn't going to work with the new system, that they're going to try to, you know, if if it's a popular mod of some kind or, you know, any of the custom maps and things, that they want to be able to reach out to people and say, hey, you know, you're probably going to need to change this or this and um, things like that, like some really, you know, again, just that community focus of trying to say we want to be able to to let that community come back to life again. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And um, I don't know, I think the mod community was so tied up with the original release of Warcraft 3, it, it's a really nice touch that they're still putting in the effort to, to extend the hand to them. Man, I mean, I want to see some old school Dota, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> That would be actually quite a bit of fun to go. Come on, kids! Here's where it all started. Let's let's play a few rounds. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that was a lot of fun right off the uh, off the the start of the show was just how much love people have for like a brand new character in in Overwatch. I think we got the uh, what was it called? Reunion was the name of the cinematic. Yes, yeah. Um, but what I did love was that. It uh, it even kind of teased us with it. It was like they built that cinematic to throw us a few different ideas for who the new character might be inside that uh, the cinematic. So you know, we kind of met a few different characters, and once we landed on Ash, it was kind of like oh, it's probably Ash, right? But then when we kind of meet Echo later in the, the clip as well, you're like, is actually, wait, is this the new character? Like, are we going to meet the other person later? And and then, and and is Bob the new character? I was like, for Bob. Was, oh my God. I, I really, but again, I just, the way that they put this stuff together that does make us all just instantly go, these characters are so cool. I've only heard them for, for 30 seconds, but, but I, I like them, them all already. the time, always. <laughs> um, no, it, it was a really, really good cinematic. And I think, my favorite thing about it was it was the first Overwatch cinematic in a long time that felt like it was advancing the plot even a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, um, but like little snapshots into McCree's backstory and the stuff with Echo, it was just like, ah, oh, things are happening. Um, which after you know, are we are we over the two year mark now? Are we coming up on two years? Yeah, we've yeah because we've had the uh, we've had two anniversary events. So yeah, oh god, coming up on three. So yeah, it's about time. Mm. It's about time, Blizzard. Thank you for moving the plot forwards finally. But I am I am super excited to get on board and try Ash out once she's off the PTR and I have any chance of interlocking her. And and man, like I I do think that Bob as an ultimate is a really cool new sort of a a, a way of throwing. Uh, just throwing us something quite different in that sort of context. Yeah, when they pointed out that Bob can even cap an objective, mm-hmm. uh, that was just kind of like, whoa, like this, yeah, it's not just... Not just um, like a glorified you know, Torb turret or something. Turret, exactly, yeah. That It's like you can, you know, you can throw a healer at him, you can, uh, yeah, but, even, but, but still mechanically kind of not overly... Um, OP, you know, it was kind yeah. of, all right, he arrives, he charges, he throws something up in the air or whatever obstacle he smashes into, that's kind of when he goes into a bit of a turret mode. But, again, it's like if that means, yeah, he kind of slams into something that's on a point or, you know, on the objective, uh, then suddenly you know, on a payload it's suddenly like, great, good. <laughs> we, we got somebody to the point and now we can kind of worry about the extra details around that. 
Yeah, I mean, just even looking at Asha's kit in her reveal video, she looks really fun to play. Um, the thing I'm most excited about is the fact that there is someone in Overwatch who has Iron Sights now. I am so ready for Iron Sights. But then, yeah, the other cool bit of uh, the Overwatch announcements surely has to be the Lucio O's, um, which we, as far as I can tell, we're, we're not going to get any sign of here in Australia. But I think probably that's because... It's probably illegal to call it a breakfast cereal under Australian laws. Yeah, I think That's it's my just guess. like pure confectioner's sugar fashioned into colourful like globules. Um, also, disappointed yeah. it's Lucio's and not just Lucio's. Lucio's, right? Lucio's. Yeah, like, I thought that was the that was the easy go to. Eh, it doesn't matter. Um, but look, I'm yeah. all about novelty cereal. It reminds me a bit <laughs> yes. of um, uh, the New Day in WWE, who had their Bootios, which <laughs> is incredibly similar branding. <laughs> but anyone uh, who wants great. to put out a novelty breakfast cereal is okay by me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, extra points in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think like the Overwatch merch that has been coming out recently has all been really on point. Like the 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 Diva headsets and jackets have been amazing. Um but the one that the one that I really want to flag and I think this predated BlizzCon by about a week. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks is all the Overwatch Lego sets that have just hit. I am all about the Lego Bastion, um, but Blizzard Blizzard merch has just been getting better and better, and especially show merch. I remember um, San Diego Comic Con a couple of years ago where I queued up for about an hour just to get into the Blizzard store that they had because that was a good use of my time. I'll give you the credit for bringing me back the Celestial Murloc. Oh, that's Murphy. right. Yeah, uh, the Celestial Murloc. Um, he is great. <laughs> and I still have the like Overwatch playmat that I bought. I'm looking at it right now as... Uh, look, I'm, I'm a sucker for Blizzard swag. It's it's true. I was very surprised as well that we didn't get uh, any Overwatch League sort of team name announcements or yeah. anything like that. You know, last year we sort of got a lot of that stuff off the tail end of the World Cup event. Uh, so I was kind of expecting that, you know, maybe we'd get similar given that there's a good pool of new teams out there. But um, but no, I guess, you know, they've, they're happily saying, hey, Overwatch League is its own thing now. You know, it can, it can run on its own schedule mm-hmm. and we don't even have to worry about it. I'm still hanging out hope for the Australian team announced. We just need one, right? Yeah, I know. When like three new Chinese teams, uh, you know, got the nod, there was it was just so clearly a thing of going, all right, we get it. They have a billion people and we have 20-something million, you know. Like I apologise on behalf of, of, of the scale of our nation, but please, <laughs> please. You need throw teams to round out the bottom eight. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know speaking of the Aussies in Overwatch yeah we had the biggest hill possibly to climb by having to face Korea yeah. round but one I, wasn't it? I, yeah you know quarterfinal uh, but they really I think they really brought their A game and it, you know it meant that there were some great moments uh, through those maps you know as much as we got swept I mean I don't I don't think anybody didn't get swept by Korea, you know, all, um, you know, the whole uh, series long. But but we threw them some curveballs, and it was I really, to me, felt like that kind of genuine Aussie sporting spirit where there was no safe play, there was no fear. It was just well, you know, we're going to do some stuff, see what sticks. Yeah, and so when Custer ran out with Torbjorn uh, <laughs> on, you know. 
on defense, and this is kind of new Torbjorn, you know, nobody's kind of seen this stuff and it was just fun. And it, and there were plenty of moments where you could see that the Koreans were struggling with, oh, how do we, how do we push past this? Um, and it was messy. And then like Trill, uh, the Aussie tank, he was actually on fire on some of the yes. defense on Blizzard World. It was really, really good to watch. And, you know, yep, yeah, okay. They were still Korea. They still kind of, you know, took us down without all that much trouble. But of all the matches, I think in a lot of ways you could say that we we gave them the most trouble out of anybody that they had With to deal with. With the Torbjorn. <laughs> I think that is so, my you- favorite thing about watching competitive Overwatch is just seeing off meta actually maybe not always succeed, but look competitive. And it feels like that's a big difference from, I guess, traditional sport and something that I really love about esport is just the opportunity you have to do unexpected stuff um, and have it actually pay off. You're not always, you know, resetting, taking your six again or, you know, playing safe because you got to hit your batting average kind of thing. You can yeah. run a Torbjorn because it might work. Who knows? And, yeah, I, there was a lot of talk, I think, during the tournament of the fact that the current meta is it's really – uh, you know, really heavy on the idea that you should be trying to sw- switch characters quite a bit, you know, and that yeah. that is a good thing for the game because that's that's one of the features of the game, that it isn't, you're not locked in for the whole round, so you are trying to counter what the other team has brought, uh, you know, and the next time somebody dies, then get them to switch off, get them to kind of bring something else that is a good hard counter. Um, yeah. And that, that was also fundamentally what Korea was so good at, was that, you know, that, Everybody else, you know, there's a, there's a, a more limited pool of characters, whereas Korea just has that Whatever. talent. Yeah, we're going to run able, yeah. our pool of six characters each kind of thing. We've got the whole roster covered twice. Um, yeah, I mean, again, when you have yeah, when you have Jonak playing a DPS healer, uh, it's just mm-hmm. it's always hard. Um, no, it's interesting though, especially because I think like the traditional thinking, especially around Overwatch, has always been around alt economy as well. So you're kind of in the mindset you don't want to switch you don't want to lose percentage that you've built up on your alt um but having that flexibility when hard counters to be able to shut down a member of the opposing team completely is almost so much more valuable in terms of contributing to the team and making pushes and holding objectives that it feels like the thinking around it is still evolving which i really like i like seeing a competitive mindset around the game happen in front of people yeah Look, I might just quickly touch on a couple of the shorter topics that we aren't, you know, as fully across. And I know I'll circle back to things like um, Hots and Starcraft the next time I have a good chat to a couple of uh, our, you know, hardcore commentary friends. But super huge to see that Serral actually took out the Starcraft World Championship. That was so amazing. I didn't watch most of it, but first non-Korean to ever win a Starcraft Championship. Starcraft yeah, he World was Championship. A, yep. And not even just that, the first non-Korean to make the grand final at BlizzCon. Holy crap. <laughs> so, you know, this is, it, it is a huge moment. And, and yeah, I, I spoke to Pig a few weeks ago about this uh, ahead of time and, he, I, and bang up job on the commentary at the uh, the main event. Um, so, you know, big props to Jared for all the awesome work he was doing over there. Uh, but, yeah, um as he sort of said that Serral had dominated all year long in all the other kind of key tournaments outside Korea and then 
uh, Maru was the Korean that had been dominating internal um, within Korea, but then he actually lost his quarterfinal. Uh, and so that was kind of the big upset was suddenly like, oh, my God, the big grand final everybody had been hoping for uh, wasn't going to happen. Uh, but at the same time, there is always that element of going, well, if he's choked, then Cyril could do the same thing, you know, and yeah. it was it was great to see him, you know, just kind of work his way through. You could see he was so intensely focused. Um, but in the, in the final, uh, I think it was the – pretty much the only final in the entire uh, BlizzCon uh, set of tournaments that didn't just get swept in, in the, like a 3-0. Um, that uh, he went 3-0 up, um, but it was best of seven. And uh, and then uh, Stats was who he was playing, uh, won the next two. And so suddenly it was like, oh, wait a minute, is the reverse sweep on? Uh, and and thankfully, yeah, he managed to close it out four uh, two. So yeah, it, but it was it was great to watch, and you could see that just you know the whole room was. I, I feel like there were probably plenty of you know, Korean fans as well at that point going. Look, let's just let them have one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, StarCraft especially is one of those games where. It's like Age of Empires, right? You can't break focus for a second at a competitive level because it is yeah, it is straight to 100 for the whole match. Any slip-up can cost you the entire round. Um, but I think what I really liked about seeing Serral go through is it almost feels like this is one, one of those watershed moments where other countries have reached a level of esports maturity now because it's been such a mainstay of the culture in South Korea for so long that... It feels like other people have been taking it seriously long enough they can actually start competing now. And look, we had that, um, you know, also this weekend for League of Legends Worlds, um, you know, the fact that we had Europe versus China as the final because the Koreans had been knocked out before that and it was, you know, again, that was kind of another big first in like I think about five years or something that uh, a Korean team wasn't going to win the, ch- you know, win the yeah. championship. Um, that it is, it's a really exciting time for I think eSport to see that, uh, that you know, that they are still a dominant force but to start to see that kind of wall finally cracking uh, and that plenty of other places are starting to, you know, just catch up and and now that top tier is becoming more universal rather than just like yes there is this one you know hot house of mm-hmm. esports talent and everybody else you know can, you can go and fight amongst yourself for the scraps um it definitely feels like another generation is is upon us when it comes to worldwide esports so it's um, it's it is, it's really exciting time yeah absolutely um and i guess while we're talking about league of legends this is the perfect pivot to hots Yes. Um, so that's it. Uh, the, you know, the, the Blizzard MOBA, um, pulled out its first ever original character. And I think she looked pretty cool. It was definitely, you know, it looked like they really tried to run with the idea of saying, if we're just designing some cool new idea that doesn't have to be an interpretation of a character from, uh, you know, one of the other Blizzard properties, then let's really sort of have some fun with it and feeding into this kind of internal law that they've been building that it seems like she's kind of the daughter of the Raven Lord. Uh, and so she is this kind of, you know, cute sort of younger looking girl, but then has this like giant coffin relic on her back that, <laughs> that has a weird like demonic 
void beasts that, that basically gives her these giant floating jaws to eat the people around her, you know. Uh, uh, Orphea is her name. Uh, and But, again, you know, they, this company is so good at trailers. Uh, they they really had a lot of fun with that. I don't. Did you see her and what did you think? Um, yeah, I did a little bit of reading about her um, just when I saw the announcement. And I just, again, I think it's really cool that they're finally introducing original characters into this game. It feels like it makes it stand on its own a little bit more rather than being the other thing that all the other characters appear in. Um, mm. And look, it, I mean, it's controversial, right? Like that there are people who are saying, whoa, wait a minute, like we we just want you to bring together all the characters we like. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for it. Yeah, I mean, you say it's controversial, but it feels like probably one of the least controversial things to come out of uh, <laughs> out of BlizzCon comparatively. Yes. <laughs> Did you see the high school uh, skins? Uh, I don't know if you saw that video at all, because that uh, was yes. amazing. Um, I love the Leoric janitor skin. <laughs> janitor Leoric and the tomb is like a... a high school toilet <laughs> so so good i thought that was amazing uh, and even like the soap i think someone sort of i heard someone suggesting it's you know it had a whole like pink fight club soap vibe about it that he rides around on like so there's a, oh, a soap awesome. mount <laughs> um and then yeah and orphia with her like you know sulky high school teenager vibe as well. It's just like, yes, I this is great. And I think the, the coffin turned into like a locker room door. Oh sorry, a locker door instead of a uh instead of the coffin. But uh you look, I just love that they have a lot of fun with the stuff in that. I, I do love novelty skins. Like it's it's always gonna be just an easy, easy win for me if you have something completely ridiculous but very on theme. Um, completely and like same with overwatch as well the novelty skins are where i'm at halloween skins every year just straight into the veins please so uh, you know like i don't i haven't changed my uh junk rat off the junkenstein why would skin you though? ever since i first got it that's it it's and just this is him now honestly <laughs> for you to do that when there is an australian cricket skin is high praise <laughs> that that means a lot yes i am a crazy cricket nerd uh scrapyard listeners um and so yes exactly it was like this is perfect but it's but but he is also dr junkenstein so i can't i can't not do that um <laughs> uh, so Hearthstone, um, you and I do love a bit of the Hearthstone action. Um, what are you thinking about Rastakhan's Rumble? I am okay with it. Um, <laughs> I, I just really need the next year of the meta to hit because it feels like this year has just been stagnant. Um, like yeah. I, Boomsday really did not introduce enough much new stuff. Like Witchwood threw a little bit in there with the odds and evens, but... I don't know, this year on Hearthstone, I've just felt like I've changed maybe one or two cards in every deck. I know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't do the thing I've often done before, which is just delete all my decks between, you know, between expansions and then, you know, and then just kind of force myself to start again. Uh, Because, you know, I've been... I've been more in maintenance mode this year for, for Hearthstone, um, keeping up with my card backs and just kind of having fun. Um, But... um, but yeah, I've noticed as I play that it, it has been that case of going, oh, this, you know, this, uh, odd paladin works really nicely still. Um, I'll just add, you know, tech in one or two cards and, and that, that's just fine. So that's definitely a fair point. Um, but that said, like, it looks like there are some cool cards coming out with, um, Rastakhan and I like the theme of it. Like I really, really enjoyed that zone in 
um, Battle for Azeroth, and I think a lot of that flavor is going to be really cool. And having the core class legendaries be the lower, I'm really into that. Um, the Paladin one looks awesome, um, totally unplayable. I always get really excited about battle legendaries. It's my thing whenever a new Hearthstone card gets announced. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. I think I just I feel like I'm waiting for a big shakeup to the meta in Hearthstone before I can seriously get back into it because it just feels both too fast and too slow at the same time right now. Uh, Cam Shay and I had a good, yeah, sort of, um, you know, little uh, disappointment session about the state of Hearthstone uh, in ep- episode two. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely in that place where, look, I mean, they also just announced that they've had, you know, they've crossed 100 million Hearthstone players, mm-hmm. uh, which is a hell of a stat. I, it, it sounded like it's a bit of a lifetime stat, but still, like, you can't split hairs when you're talking about 100 million people playing a digital card game. No, not at all. Uh, I, I, you know, and... But it does speak to that idea that that some of the things that they've been doing a good job of are a very very casual focus side of of the game. You know that like the the puzzle mode was really good fun. I did really enjoy. Um, like I always cannot fault the single player stuff that they launch. Um, the Witchwood stuff was awesome. The puzzle mode was great, and I spent I think almost more time on the puzzle mode when that expansion first hit than playing ladder. So you know, th- there's plenty of that stuff that clearly shows that they're serving this very big casual fan base who probably care, you know, next to nothing at all um, when it comes to you know, sort of, you know, anything past uh, you know, rank fifteen, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely sort of a lot there for for what we hope that you know they they kind of revisit in terms of the the whole competitive landscape for for next year at some point. I heard a throwaway comment from someone on another podcast, I can't remember which one it was, that that there are, there are rumors about sort of a big shake up to what the kind of annual cycle looks like. But I think that's partly off the back of, you know, the the world tour this year, they really did kind of create a whole new point structure for it and they were you know really trying to kind of re-engineer um you know that sort of regular point scoring cycle for the you know for the high level players um i think we're just now at this point where yeah that you know they've obviously now had one full season of that you know you can't change that stuff during the middle of no yeah you have to play out the season to actually instigate any changes if you are looking at making this a core focus that feeds into it from the game. Yeah, yeah I, I totally get it. I'm just complaining mm. about it. <laughs> and that is our right. That is our right. Um, look, so I think let's let's do Diablo and then we can finish with a kind of a, a wow chaser at the very end on just the, the things that excite us about mm-hmm. the, uh, um, the new things. But, okay, Diablo, uh, clearly a lot of people did not get the memo that they had warned us that we probably weren't going to get the thing that we were waiting for. And maybe some of those people did get that memo and they still felt like what we got was not remotely the kind of thing that we we should be getting. Uh, so Diablo Immortal, how do you feel? Look, I probably won't play it and that's fine. I think that is my one-sentence response to Diablo Immortal, and I don't understand where all the fire and brimstone came from around this. Um, yeah. Look, I, I, you know, I'm going to totally agree with you on that exact kind of point. That, uh, And look, I have had a lot of fire thrown at me for the things that I've written about it on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but a big part of it is this kind of 
disconnect between the idea that that uh, yeah, look, a big point that I've come back to more than once is I think it would have been a great announcement at Gamescom. Yeah, you know, I do I do agree that that people it makes sense that people could be disappointed by this when it was given such a prominent place on the BlizzCon schedule. Yeah, it was kind of the Diablo announcement out of the show. Yeah, when it was chasing um like D3 on the Switch, which was actually really cool and super super well received, I can see why people were disappointed, but to go to let's start GoFundMe campaigns to get a game cancelled because that's how both of those things work. It's just a bit much. <laughs> I know. I know, and that's the bit like I just I like uh, you know I love I do love how much people care about things, and I know that like you know Diablo is absolutely I think within the whole Blizzard universe, you know it's the death metal of Blizzard, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You know, it has the super hardcore, you know, metal fans attached to it. And it just, you know, I've al- I always hold the Blizzard community in a higher regard than I think they showed, you know, over the weekend. I mean, you would think Diablo fans would be used to disappointing drops by now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of I kind of get the the general vibe around that because this blizzcon ground up there weren't big this is the next game in the franchise announcements coming out of it 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 felt very um it it was a little bit iterative right like it was throwbacks like wow classic like warcraft reforged it was new characters for overwatch but there wasn't like here's the next big expansion or here's the next number installment in this franchise so i think this might have been fed by a little bit of frustration around that kind of stuff Hmm. I mean, I, I also I was thinking about that point um, earlier, and and I feel like part of the issue on that specific point is that it's just that we've we've just been through an amazing like three years of announcements. You know that like they have had a killer announcement for you know roughly three years in a row at BlizzCon. Whatever kind of expansions and updates and things, there's been really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like. That that isn't the norm. Like historically, that isn't necessarily the norm. Um, but it seems like we, you know, we are close to getting that next thing from Diablo, and it's just, I, I like, I don't disagree with people being disappointed or just saying that's just not going to be for me. Um, but I also have so much faith in this company and its ability to make games that I don't think are for me. And then I try them and go, Oh, well this, this <laughs> is going to be a thing that forever. sits on my phone now. Yeah. And that the, just the whole idea that, yep. Yeah, well, this has stolen time from their ability to make <laughs> Diablo four properly. <laughs> and you know, like you're, you're, you're wasting yeah, this limited pool. It's like, this is, this is blizzard. All they of blizzard have- only works on one game at a time. Yeah, and yeah. they have a lot of money. Diablo Immortal cost you a raid tier. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the, people have been saying that, you know, that, well, the money that would have gone towards Diablo 4, as if, again, as if Blizzard is a small developer that doesn't just kind of have a steady stream of $100 million coming in every month from various games, and not yeah. even just WoW anymore. I'm sure the loot boxes are doing a great job. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the $100 million Hearthstone account, I bet people are buying packs for there. It's- <laughs> right. And, like, I, I am certain I would put cash money down that Blizzard internally is working on Diablo 4. They just haven't announced it yet. And 
even though they didn't announce it as BlizzCon, it's probably not going to change when it comes out in the grand scheme of things. It's going to come out when it comes out because it's Blizzard we're dealing with here. But yeah, I think there's just, oh man, you know, like I, I, it's just that hard thing. Of, I want to be able to say out loud that, yeah, it is a little bit disappointing that we didn't get the game that we would all love to have right now. I'd love to know that in a few months' time, like summer next year, we're going to play Diablo 4. I'd love to know that. Um, but they're not ready and, and, and that's, it's sad, but it's not, it's not rage inducing. Mm hmm. Or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, it, it really. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm going to get riled up. Let's let's <laughs> let's go to our chaser. Uh, yes. So yes. Um. You know, World of Warcraft. Uh, got. I, I, there was a. I think Ian Hasakostas is very good at these um, panels where he knows kind of a nice pace to. He knows how to reveal things <laughs> just enough <laughs> and just tease things in just the right way to keep us excited for what what that kind of one to two year roadmap looks like for for World of Warcraft. Uh, and so yeah, we you know we know that. 8.1 is coming very soon. I think December is, I think, when it'll go live. But then they started pointing out, what are we going to see in, in 8.1.5, 8.2, and even 8.2.5, which was pretty nice given that it seems like the cycle is pretty much, once we get to 8.3, we're like we're in the end game of this expansion, which which will then be setting us up for whatever comes next. Um, you know, and, of course, I'm sure we'll hear about all that next year. Uh, but... There's some really cool stuff in the pipeline. Um, and now, of course, I've already forgotten how to pronounce it. Um, but uh, 8.2, do you remember? Oh, yes, I found it. Start Nazjatar. Nazjatar. Yep. Um, that is looking like a really cool zone that we're going to go uh, to the Nega home uh, of Nazjatar. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's looking like a, like a quite a significant zone um for, yeah. for that next big phase and the next big um big rating that um that sylvanas cinematic with oh no it wasn't sylvanas it was as um as shara the Ashara, one yeah. yeah which was so cool um definitely definitely hyped for this i think the old gods are my favorite part of wow law just generally um and seeing that come in and actually huh, diving in um i'm gonna be i'm gonna be all over that i think I've lapsed right now. I'm off sub right now, but I think when that hits, I will come back in and play through some of that. Yeah, and look, I think there was also a big fear that Nazjatar, like just the whole idea of going to the Nega home city, um, would be leading us back basically into a, you know Vastia 2.0. Vastia um, was it was it was a fine zone. It gets so much hate, and I know people hate underwater levels just as a rule. But they did it really well with like the fast movement on the on the um, on the seabed, and you had your seahorse mount. It was it was fine, guys. It yeah. wasn't that bad. Yeah, but what what a kind of like yeah because I actually yeah I quite enjoyed it. I you know I can't say I've chosen to play through it every time I've been leveling, um, but I didn't mind it that much. And I, like if anything, it was more one of those zones I think where um, there was a lot of that forced back and forth, like running back and forth. Yeah, you know, that. To, to finish your quest lines, you go and do the thing, then come back. Oh, now I need to go and do another thing that's just near where you just were. And you're like, oh, damn you. <laughs> um, but apparently, you know, that this isn't completely down that line either, that, you know, that it's going to 
you know, play with sort of the whole idea of, I guess, some actual landscapes that are down. It's not purely underwater breathing world. Um, so, you know, it's for anybody who did hate on that, uh, I think they, they'll probably be pleasantly surprised that it's it's not just something like that again. But a total nod to the, the, the Warbringers for Ashara as well. I only just recently actually, I realized... I, I hadn't caught up on that one. Um, somehow it just slipped past. And so I watched it here recently and it was so slick. And what I love is that sense, you know, of Ashara is just like that she she makes the deal she wants to make, you know, mm-hmm. that it's um, it, it shows how, you know, just smart that she is and how well that she kind of, basically says well okay you need me more than i need you you know and like fine you know let me die like that's such a cool moment where she's just like well you know here's here's my terms take it all let me die you know one or the other um that was really cool i really liked that a lot but yeah so um there's jitar coming um also uh the the other really cool i I wasn't necessarily expecting uh mechagon the uh, the next kind of mega dungeon Mechagon, Man. mechanical gnomes. Yeah. Super, like, left field, but I'm on board with it, especially if we're going to get the mechanical gnomes as an allied race. Like, yes, please. I want that. And having just seen, they also revealed the uh, gnome heritage armor. Um, I, I'm i suddenly in fear that I actually um, might have boosted my, uh, yeah, my <laughs> top level gnome at some point. I'm like, oh my god, I need that heritage armor. I'm gonna have to go and start, and start gnome. another gnome. <laughs> Look, I will see your gnome heritage armor, and I'll raise you the Taurian heritage armor. Not all of it, just the totem pole back piece. I think every Taurian ever is gonna be rocking that by the end. By the end of this, just it's so good. completely. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, that is looking great. And um, also a baby Naga pet. Uh, mm-hmm. Is going to come up down in Nazjatar. Um, there, like there, there are some really cool looking mounts that are popping up through this stuff as well. Oh, the B um, mount, the B mount, yeah, <laughs> that is looking great. Um, and like a weird like horse or something, I think might be part of the Nazjatar. It looks like it. it oh, the like it might hippo be a- something something. Yeah, it had a very one. specific name, <laughs> but I, I've, it's a seahorse, but it's actually like top half horse. Yeah, yeah. It looked really cool. Um, so, yeah, just so many cool little kind of bits and pieces. What the uh, Worgen models? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with Worgen was never the models. It was the animations. It's just that goofy, flailing, running animation. I mean, and the fact that they can't wear a single helmet, but that's that's a whole different thing. Though I, I look... Neither can Torin. It's fine. My main nuisance has always been that, yeah, that you can't, transmog the like the top hats that they sort of right. you know, had in the early early part of the their can you know class one to twelve campaign. I just want to be a like, werewolf but, in a top hat. Why is that so hard for uh, you to do? I know. And it's like that look do you hear my accent? This is a top hat accent. <laughs> let me let me be this guy. Um so yeah I think I have a um a Worgen rogue sitting at around like level forty something that's just sitting there. One day he will get more attention uh, one, I guess once they do heritage armor, that is like a cool top hat. Uh, Victorian suit. Mm-hmm. You know, like then, yeah, then I'll go back and get that guy up to speed because my Victorian rogue, yes. I think <laughs> Victorian this is, rogue um, werewolf. This is like my number one complaint with modern WoW, 
because I guess now we have got to differentiate between modern WoW and classic WoW, um, <laughs> is that as all the important NPCs get these really flashy new models, it just makes my character look like garbage. And <laughs> I want cool 3D models with actual like pop-out bits and like shoulder capes that aren't little triangles that dangle off my back. I want cool armor like that. And I, yeah. I thought that was where heritage armor would go. It would be like, this is one set, you can't play around with it. It's going to look baller, but you can't change it kind of thing. Like, if you look at, um, like, Greymane these days or the new Sylvanas model or, you know, Salfang, they all look so cool. And I get that they're unique one-off special NPC models, but just make me look a little bit as cool as that. A little bit. You are talking to a guy who will willingly put on lesser gear in other games because it looks better um yeah <laughs> that I, i'm definitely in this for the aesthetic but with transmog we can get there we can live this dream blizzard please um and look i think that kind of about wraps it up but i think um well worth also touching on that some of the some of the panels like look that's a big part of what i love about blizzcon i always kind of have a great weekend watching all this stuff and i'm sure like in 10 minutes i'm going to remember other cool things that i didn't <laughs> mention uh but there was uh one of the panels that was about like uh you know the voices uh and like the whole thing about how they kind of bring the, the cinematic stuff together, um, specifically in the kind of wow space that they have, like they do these really good kind of reveal sessions where they talk about their thinking behind a lot of stuff. And one of them was the idea that after Legion, which was so kind of world shattering, they, they wanted to tell more personal stories this time around. And, and while they're kind of brainstorming just that idea of how do we make it more directly about like the leaders, you know, Sylvanas and Saofang and Anduin and Jaina and like really kind of dig into their thoughts and their feelings, that that actually led them to, you know, think about the Warbringers series. Huh, that's really cool. And one of the guys apparently actually said, he's just like, well, you know, I... I really just want to hear Jaina sing a dirge. And apparently there was just like silence in the room for a while as the ideas sank in. Uh, and clearly, you know, that must have been that knife edge point of, uh, does everybody hate my idea or is this actually going to be a thing that happens? Uh, but on one of the panels where they had the music uh, stuff going on, it was like a little surprise moment where the voice of Jaina actually turned up and they did a live performance that's so of cool. the song daughter of the sea and it's like man that was cool um just all these little kind of beautiful moments that happen all around the show is just so much fun and and kudos as well that they had like darren DePaul, you know voice of reinhardt um and and just he is hilarious mm-hmm. uh, they basically they basically had him like all weekend just just like he hosted probably like a dozen panels and it's pretty much like along with the panel, you get the Darren DePaul comedy routine. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, he just everything that he is hanging around on, it, it just always well worth checking out as a show and as an event with all the esports um, and with all those panels with these beautiful moments. It's like, it's still, it was still a really great weekend of me here with about five screens in front of me. I saw the pictures. Yes, and like I currently have a uh, a forty nine inch you know thirty two nine widescreen here, which meant I could fit an extra like three screens on that one screen <laughs> to keep watching more <laughs> more of the sessions. Um, so yeah, we had a great time. 
that reminds me. I think the coolest announcement um, that I've been telling all my friends about from last weekend was the fact that Destiny 2 on PC, you can just pick it up for free. Yes. I think you've only got, like, what, this week and next um, week maybe? The 19th, so-, so I think just over, t- uh, just under two weeks left. Yeah, so but like it's just, super cool. Grab it. It's it's free, and if you do it, you get it. Just do it. There is no yeah. reason not to do yeah. it. Yes, um, yeah. I've even you know made made sure my kids have logged into the BattleNet client to just it's like just get in there and press the button. There, that's it. You've got the game now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, you're not allowed to play it until you're 15. <laughs> um, I have really been enjoying Destiny Two lately, though, which is why I had to drop that one in there. The Forsaken um, expansion that's just hit is quality. Yeah, and look, there was that weird little kind of moment where they shoehorned in a bit of you know let's let's talk about Destiny two right at the start of the opening ceremony, mm-hmm. you know, like just before it kicked off, and there was definitely a little bit of tension over like, and I know I think I even tweeted going, wait a minute, just because it's in the BattleNet client doesn't mean you get to start coming to BlizzCon, and then they went and it's everybody's for free. It was like, oh okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, you you saved this one, Blizzard. Good for you, but uh, yeah. I'm watching you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're like, I actually, I bought it and then, but I think I've maybe booted it up twice. Mm. Um, so I did have that slight moment of going. So if I had waited, I would have gotten it for free. Great. <laughs> um, look, uh, thank you so much, Luke. I think it's been a very good bit of fun here to, uh, yeah, recap all things BlizzCon. Um, any other kind of final thoughts from you on uh, what you're hoping to get out of all things Blizzard over the next couple of uh, weeks and months? Uh, I mean, out of silver if I can in Overwatch, but that's more on me <laughs> than anyone else. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm i going to have to, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to convert this show into the, uh, you know, help Seamus learn how to even play in uh, competitive <laughs> modes because I just I just don't I, I've just struggled to dip my foot in you know yeah okay I ladder on Hearthstone but that's about it but I know I'm not I'm not letting anybody else down because you know I I can only be bad on my own terms but maybe that's also the reason to just try laddering in Starcraft just just get beaten 1v1 oh, no, look, on a regular basis definitely just play comp in Overwatch because if there's one thing my team can do it's let me down so you'll you'll fit right in <laughs> Yeah, awesome. That's that sounds good. Um, so, Luke, for people who want to find all your cool things out there on the internet, where should they find you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter at LG Lancaster. Um, you can check out the actual play D and D podcast I'm on called I Speak Giant, where I'm Vinny Cupcakes. Hey, um, I, I do the accent a lot. I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Uh, you can check me out on Webtoons, where I have a webcomic called The Bad Guys and a new one launching soon called Pound. Um, and apart from that, come to PAX. It's once a year and you've got a long wait, but it's a good show. Yeah. And look, The Bad Guys is a really, really fun webcomic. It's totally worth checking out. So um, follow those links. I'll throw some links into the show notes as well so you can find all the cool things that Luke just mentioned. Uh, thank you again, Luke. And thank you all listeners out there. You can go and like click things and and, uh, and you know, do all those things of subscribing and liking and and, and leaving ratings. But I, I don't want to do that kind of weekly spiel um, because it just seems like that is the absolute absolute bog standard version of ending podcasts these days. So thank you all again, and we will see you next time on The Scrapyard. Yard.